Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series, where your host, Andy Jacob, interviews leading entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs about their incredible companies and discusses their unique entrepreneurial journeys. If you're the CEO or founder of an exciting and exceptional company, the editorial team of Dotcom Magazine welcomes you to pitch your business story to appear on this exciting interview series by reaching out to Mr. Jacob at Dotcom Magazine at dotcommagazine.com. And without further ado, here is another amazing entrepreneurial story on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Hello, everybody. Andy Jacob here with the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. And I have a fascinating show today. You know, we're so blessed to really interview so many high profile CEOs and founders on the show, of course, as you know from watching the show. And we're very fascinated in all facets of business. And one area that definitely resonates for us is the nonprofit space. So many people are doing so many great things in this particular space. And when we found out what Ms. Tiana Wolford was doing at the Sickle Cell Reproductive Health Education Directive, it really caught our attention because, you know, she's had this uh, nonprofit now here for about a year or, or two, and she's really created an organization because she really wanted to sort of fix the solution, make, make the research and make the resources available to people that are having challenges with fertility that have sickle cell. And really, there were no resources to help pay for these costly procedures. So Tiana got her co-founder and her team together, and they decided to make a difference in the world with the Sickle Cell Reproductive Health Education Directive. It's so fascinating to have Tiana on the show. Welcome to the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. It's so great. You know, we had a pre-interview uh, phone call. It was so fascinating what you've been able to put together. And you have an amazing story, and that's why we brought you on the show. But before we get started, tell us about the Sickle Cell Reproductive Health Education Directive, and then we're going to get into it because we have so many questions for you. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for this platform. This is an incredible opportunity for us being a new organization. So um, our mission at the Sickle Cell Reproductive Health Education Directive, or SCRED for short, is to advocate for high quality sexual and reproductive health care for individuals living with sickle cell disease. And we are actually the first and only sickle cell organization in the entire world to have a mission solely centered around reproductive health. Um, and it's a really beautiful merger. We have doctors, researchers, patients, um, caregivers, lawyers, everybody just at the same table trying to push this work forward. And um, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later in the interview. But yes, a lot of it was inspired by my own personal story. I came into the reproductive health space because of my journey with fertility or lack thereof. And uh, then realized that reproductive health in general was an untapped area in sickle cell because 
for so long, we weren't even living into adulthood and we just really had to focus on survival and then basic education and awareness. But now thanks to advances in science and the resilience of the community and the grace of God, we are able to start you know, prioritizing some other things. And that includes reproductive health. So we do everything. We take a lifespan approach. So everything from puberty to menopause, fertility, and anything in between. It's so remarkable. And of course, you've reached out and have brought on some worldwide leading experts, you know, Dr. Lydia Pecker and you know, uh, Dr. Kim Smith uh, Whitley joined the team as well. It's such a great cause that you have, Tiana. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because you mentioned something just now that's so fascinating. You know, you said basically people with sickle cell, their main priority was just to live. And yeah. they didn't really have an opportunity to really to think about reproduction and having children. And you're changing all that with what you're doing. So let's talk about that a little bit because that's so interesting. Okay, yeah. And, you know, it's not even just individuals living with sickle cell disease. It's also the providers. A lot of people with sickle cell are told to just focus on survival. Like with my own story, I had a bone marrow transplant 11 years ago, and I knew that the chemo and radiation could leave me infertile. And so I expressed feeling so defeated from sickle cell that I was basically willing to risk anything except fertility because I've always wanted six children. And uh, the response that I got from the doctor was like, well, I don't know why you'd even be worried about fertility because of all the complications you've had, you're probably already infertile and you really just need to focus on surviving and don't even worry about having kids. And unfortunately, a lot of people hear that they're told that they shouldn't even get pregnant or think about having children and that they just need to focus on being healthy. And the thing for us now is that it's no longer just enough to survive. We want to thrive and we want to have this optimal quality of life. And for a lot of us, that means family planning and like a reproductive life plan. Wow. It's so interesting. You know, there you were, the doctor said, Hey, let's, Let's not even think about reproduction, not even think about having these six children that you want to have. Let's just, you know, focus on you. And you said, no, you know, I want to focus on not only my life, but also having this sort of um, dream of having these children. So I want to focus on it all. And then you started this wonderful organization, of course, that you're involved with right now. When we think about it, has the lifespan of people with sickle cells started to increase throughout the years? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, um, even just 40 years ago, sickle cell was really considered to be a pediatric disease because um, we weren't living. And now still the lifespan is like the expected lifespan is 47, but we're definitely seeing people live way longer and healthy and not just live, but really thrive and, you know, become productive members of society. And so we're really happy about that. Yeah, that's fantastic. And of course, in your personal journey, you mentioned the bone marrow transplant. And, and when you started researching and seeking resources for fertility, let's say preservation and, you know, things like that, that now you've become an expert in, there was very little information anywhere about any of this. And there were no resources. And was that sort of the thing that made you go, aha, I need to get into this and help other, you know, families with, with uh, fertility and their struggles the same way that in which I can't find any information right now? 
Yeah. So this was actually 11 years ago before I had my transplant. After the doctor dismissed my concerns, I went home and I looked for education and there was a lot out there, but it was for women with cancer. It was nothing for women with sickle cell. And then when I saw that the cost could be more than $10,000, I knew I couldn't afford that on my own. So I also started looking into financial resources. And again, I saw a bunch of grants, but you had to have a diagnosis of cancer. So, you know, long story short, I just went ahead with it. I did the bone marrow transplant, kind of reconciling that if I was cured from sickle cell, Maybe it's a fair trade-off to give up biological children. But here I am, 11 years later, I rejected the transplant. So I still have sickle cell and I'm infertile. But as I've evolved as an advocate, I realized that nobody should have to make that trade-off because when you talk about cancer, it's fertility and a cure. But when you talk about it in sickle cell, it's fertility or a cure. And we're trying to take that or out. We want to have options. And so... Um, about two years ago, one of my now co-founders, Dr. Olivia Pecker, who researches fertility and sickle cell, she called me in the middle of the day and she was like, I tested your hormones. It's dismal. We have to freeze your eggs tomorrow. And I did the same Google search that I did 11 years ago. And it was the same thing. Everything was tailored to women and men with cancer. So yes, I decided to start Basically, I was going to just start a foundation where we give away grants for like IVF, surrogacy, sperm banking, egg freezing. But then I realized that there's all these things that happen before you even start thinking about fertility. There's things like delayed puberty and priapism that really hadn't been prioritized. So that's how we expanded it into a whole reproductive health umbrella. Yeah, Tiana, it's really remarkable. What a great story. And for the entrepreneurs watching the show, I mean, this is a wonderful story, you know, where uh, Tiana ran into a roadblock. She didn't find the type of information that she would have thought she would have liked to have found. And then she decided, well, I'm going to make my own information for other people that are going through this. And of course, sickle cell is classified or used to be classified as a disease of pain. And, you know, pain is a major hallmark of the sickle cell disease, but there really is so much more. And this sexual and reproductive health in the community has been offer overlooked. And that's really what you're changing a great deal, right, Tiana? Yes, that's exactly right. And like you said, I think that at one point, even I considered sickle cell to be a disease of pain. But what people don't realize is that anywhere there's blood flow, there are complications. So stroke, um, lung issues, heart issues, all kinds of things. It affects every part of your body. And that doesn't even get into the mental aspect of this. So yes, um, it's so much more than just the pain. And then there's also a broader message because a lot of times even doctors kind of are just worried about hemolysis and anemia and what's going on, but there's way more to it. And so while my mission is about reproductive health, there's also this broader message that individuals living with sickle cell disease are whole people. Yeah. It's so interesting. Of course, you're working with world-renowned re world hematologists. I mean, Dr. Lydia Pecker and, of course, Dr. Kim Smith-Whitley. Let's talk about that. What's it like working with people that have such a passion like you do about, about this particular situation? What's it like getting up in the morning knowing that you're going to work with a mission with a couple of high-profile and high-powered people you know, by your side on this? 
Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Um, Dr. Kim Smith Whitley, I've known her since I was like 11 years old. Um, And I've been sitting under her at different conferences and everything. And I've considered her to be a mentor for a very long time. And so now, um, and we always said that we'd work together. She's going to hire me at her hospital, but we didn't know that it would kind of evolve into this organization. And so um, we're very close, like professionally and personally, but um, there is always this, I'm, I'm always in awe of her, like even in the meetings, I can't believe she's there. And uh, the same with Dr. Lydia Pecker, she I've known her for only two years, but it feels like longer because she's just such a giant and they're both so passionate. And then I also have um, Dr. Marzetti, who chairs my board, um, who's been a friend for a couple of years now. And he's um, somebody that we really value because he's so trusted in the community. And so all of them, they're just very down to earth. And it means the world to me that they're so committed to the mission of this organization, not just the organization, but to me, like they really look out for me and make sure that I'm okay. And that I have everything that I need. So it's, it's really cool. Yeah, Tiana, that's great. And of course, that's a great message for the people watching the show is you want to surround yourself with talented people, experts in their field, but more importantly than anything, people that care about you and, and that you care about them because that caring goes a long way. Let's talk about it. You know, you, you'd established this 501c3 in 2021. It's a relatively new, you know, nonprofit. Where do you see the next 12 months going, Tiana? Where does this nonprofit go with the Sickle Cell Reproductive Health Education Directive? Uh, I think that within the next 12 months, our biggest thing is going to be launching our fertility preservation grant. Obviously, that's the whole inspiration and reason to why we got started. And we do have some funders coming to the table. So I'm excited about that. Uh, We're also launching some big education initiatives. We're already planning a conference and um, also hoping to really change some of the policies. Like we've been advocating that Medicaid would actually cover fertility preservation IVF. So We have a huge mission ahead of us, but we're definitely up for it. I love it. There's no doubt that you are. You're doing so great. Let's talk about the grant. How does the grant work when it eventually takes off? Do people people apply for the grant? Do organizations apply for the grant? What's that all about? It's going to be individuals living with sickle cell disease. So our first year, we're doing a pilot. It'll be five women and two men for egg freezing and sperm banking. And it's all inclusive. So, of course, the procedure, the medications, that's the most expensive part. But people don't think about kind of those everyday costs like traveling to the center because we're um, matching them with fertility clinics that are associated with comprehensive sickle cell centers. So um, it's all inclusive. Like I said, it's travel to the centers. Um, It's also having a caregiver slash companion to travel with you and hotels, all of that. So yes, they'll be able to go to our website and apply. We're going to have a grant review committee and uh, this is just our first year. So we're hoping that as we grow, we'll be able to offer it to the point where nobody will even have to be turned down. Because like personally, I've applied for so many of these grants and got rejected from all of them. And I know how that feels. So we want to be in a position where any sickle cell warrior, not just those searching for curative therapies, but any, because we know that disease progression, iron overload, all of those things can impact fertility. So we want to be able to offer this to anyone who wants it. Yeah, it's so interesting. Is there a different process or procedure 
with regard to fertility opportunities for people who are you call the sickle cell warriors versus <laughs> the people that don't have the sickle cell? No, the process is really the same. It's just this is very new to our community because we've not really had access to this. But then we do get concerned that maybe the stress of the procedures and, you know, the injections that will take a physical toll. And so that's why it's important to us to match them with a sickle cell center just in case something goes wrong and there are any complications. Yeah, it makes sense. And of course, you know, you mentioned this word warriors, the sickle cell warriors. I would imagine there has to be, Tiana, some type of also, you know, support, you know, uh, some type of people that they can speak with. And may maybe they're getting a little stressed out like, you know, anybody would, or maybe they have some anxiety about the process. Are you also providing some type of support, you know, for their mind as well as their bodies? Yes, uh, we're definitely going to have that in place for people who go through the process, but we even have it for anyone outside of our grant. We do like these fireside chats because what I find is that kind of like peer to peer mentorship is really important to us. So that's how we're launching kind of the mental support of it is getting all the sickle cell warriors in the same room and talking about things that have historically been so stigmatized and just normalizing the conversations and providing a safe space to be able to vent. So we have like these quarterly fireside chats. We have some initiatives coming up that we're launching for parents who have sickle cell. So yeah, we're, that's on our radar as well. I love it, Tiana. Of course, you know, we talk about it all the time on this show about people that can get things done. People with a can do attitude versus a can't do attitude. And we may have some people watching the show that have an idea in their head, but they can't take that first action step really to, to take the step necessary to get it done, like to really move. So, you know, what was the thing, if you can take yourself back where, where you said, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get it done. You know, like what was the first step you took to develop this 501c3 and actually make it a reality because so much can be learned from entrepreneurs that take that first step and actually make something a reality. Well, you're absolutely right. It, that That is often the hardest part is taking that first step. Like personally, I was terrified and I spent six months writing everything down, like my mission statement, my board members, who I wanted on different advisory committees, what I wanted my logo to look like. And for a couple of weeks, I just sat in that journal um, because I was scared, not fear of failure, but fear of success, because I think we all recognize that this could be really huge. And I was scared that maybe I didn't have the stamina to take this organization as far as it needs to go. So um, <clears throat> you, like, I think you just surround yourself with really positive people who can kind of push you past your potential. And uh, once I had everything together, even though I was terrified, I just had to get it done. And that kind of like drive and diligence and hope has definitely been rewarded. I did not expect my organization to thrive as quickly as it did. And just realizing this calling and this purpose is very powerful. So my words of wisdom would be like, if you have a vision, um, just, just go for it. Just make it happen. I love it. You know, you mentioned something, Tiana, so powerful is that when you were thinking about it and you were developing this journal for six months and you were writing everything down and you wanted to have the logo right and this approach right and you started reaching out to these worldwide leading experts 
you didn't have a fear of failure. You had a fear of success. And that's so powerful because you're saying to yourself, I know that I can bring this organization to a successful point, but do I have the chops to, to lead a successful organization? Obviously you do. And obviously you have, how important is asking questions and improving your knowledge base on a daily basis, Tiana, to get your organization to not only where it's gotten to today, but where it's going to go in the future. It's very important. I, there was some, like, I don't know anything about running a nonprofit. So in that, like, six months, that first year, that's what I was doing. I was reaching out to other organizational leaders, not just in the sickle cell community, but reproductive health leaders and, you know, seeking that mentorship and that guidance. We were bringing in consultants who had experience. So that's very important. And I think that has a lot to do with why we've been so successful so quickly is because we we didn't see it as like a weakness to admit, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so we did seek help. I love it. It's so powerful because you're really the first group that really is focusing in on this. So what I would say is that you're you're making a path, you're making a blazing a path, if you will, forward. And you're you're starting to help so many people in this organization really is starting to really help so many people that really prior have felt defeated by their fertility struggles, uh, especially after, for example, something that you experienced was, which was a bone marrow transplant. And, you know, all the resources now are starting to come to light. You're starting to post all the resources on your website. You're sort of becoming the go-to place with your, you know, what I would call your team uh, in the nonprofit. So let's talk about the team before I let you go a little bit, Tiana. You know, you put together a great team. How important is it, do you feel as a nonprofit to have the worldwide leading team that you can, uh, which then relates and translates into the success of the organization? Yeah, it's very important. So, um, When I was putting my team together, I knew that I had certain strengths, but I also had certain weaknesses and limitations. And so I really sought out people who could kind of fill in the gaps and pick up the slack for the places that, you know, I could not. Um, And then I also, it was important to seek out people who I knew had a strong work work ethic and passion. And uh, what I love about my team, like including my board members, um, Nothing that I have come at them with has been too big. You know, like they don't tell me if I have a certain vision, they don't tell me no. They may tell me to be strategic and scale it back and be patient and push my timeline. But that's what I love, too, is that we have really big thinkers and really ambitious people. And if it's something that means a lot to me and if I feel like it's really going to benefit the sickle cell community, then we as a team figure out how to modify that vision and, you know, make it something that's attainable. That's powerful to have that type of input from your experts that you surrounded yourself with. I know you've only cut out a certain amount of time today. I want to get into (laughs) entrepreneurship in just a moment, Tiana. But before I get into entrepreneurship with you, I'm thinking that one thing that you're really doing well and are going to continue to do is you're establishing standards, really, 
for the effective and high quality reproductive health care across the lifespan Mm-hmm. And really advocating, you know, for policies and processes that will really improve sort of the comprehensive reproductive health care sort of process. So let's talk about that. How important is establishing standards? And prior to your organization, has there even been standards for the sickle cell, you know, community? Not, not really, particularly not around reproductive health. And it's very important. I recently had to go to Arkansas to advocate for a woman who um, was pregnant and went into a coma because there really was no policy or like procedure set up for a woman with sickle cell SC um, who was giving birth. And so, you know, and unfortunately, you hear a lot of stories like that. And it's not even just in sickle cell, it's black maternal health, period, which is another reason that our organization is taking off because people are more primed to have these kinds of conversations. But it's so important because um, not just for sickle cell, those of us living with sickle cell, but like, you know, when you fail to plan, then you don't have options. And so that's one of the things that's really important is just being able to provide options. But while I'm educating those of us living with sickle cell, it's also really important to make sure that the healthcare system is prepared for this. Because now that we are prioritizing things, we don't want to go to our doctors and they don't have answers to these questions or they're not prepared to take care of us and our reproductive health. And so it's very important to establish these standards. Yeah, Tiana, you know, when I think about you and what you're doing, you're you're a powerhouse, you're very inspirational. You know, when I think about people that start something uh, from a personal experience and then surround themselves with world leading experts, I mean, it's always a powerful entrepreneurial story, but let's give back before I let you go today. And thanks so much for cutting some time out. I'm keeping keeping you over time right now. That's okay. Let's give back to the entrepreneurs watching the show that maybe are having a tough time. You know, maybe they're hitting a roadblock. Maybe they're hitting a pothole in the road. They don't know what to do. Based on your experience, Tiana, maybe you can share some insight and some sort of motivation to some of the entrepreneurs watching the show about what it takes to get through those potholes in the road. Yeah, so my first thing would be to seek advice and seek guidance. But I definitely, as the CEO of this organization, I mean, I got to a place where I was so overwhelmed that I actually drafted a letter of resignation. Um, because one of the things, it's it's difficult for me because I am infertile. I never had access to um, fertility preservation. And so having conversations about fertility and getting rejected from grants personally, but then simultaneously working to establish this grant for the organization, having discussions about pregnancy, it did make me burn out. And so what I actually had to do before I started resenting my own organization, um, I had to kind of unplug. And so I went, <laughs> I went on vacation. And then uh, when I kind of felt myself coming back, I just started kind of planning like things about the organization that made me so nervous. I just put plans in place and kind of came up with solutions. But sometimes I think that you do have to be able to walk away and take a breather. And that's where it's also important to have that team in place because while I was getting that time for myself, my organization 
didn't miss a beat. Like everything still flowed the way that it was supposed to. Yeah. It's so powerful that you mentioned that, you know, you can burn out as a CEO or as an entrepreneur, as a founder, and you can get overwhelmed. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people that you trust and people that care about you. And for the entrepreneurs watching the show, you know, you need to figure out a way, we all need to figure out a way that we can do something that keeps us going in a positive way, moving forward with gratitude. And sometimes you do need to check out, but then after you check out a little bit, you check back in and you you, you find typically that, you know, if you see some dark clouds up, up there as an entrepreneur, eventually those dark clouds go away and up above the dark clouds is the blue sky. And they're, the blue sky is always up there. You just have to sort of wait it out sometimes. And, and sometimes you have to push the dark clouds aside as well. So what a great and fascinating story. You've got so much on your plate and you're doing so much. You know, you're you're one of these super women, I call you, Tiana. You know, you're a woman of the 21st century. You're doing so much. And uh, we can't wait to see where, of course, the directive goes. It's just phenomenal what you've been able to put together with your team. And I want to thank you, Tiana, for coming on the Dotcom Magazine Entrepreneur Spotlight Series today. This has been a motivational and inspirational interview, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for having me. 